Connects talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are speaking with a special guest, Dr. Samantha Dale Strauser, Chief Scientific Officer and Co-Founder of biotech startup Pepper Bio. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by my X Talks colleagues and co-hosts, Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevich. In this week's podcast, we are delighted to be featuring a very special guest on our show. We are happy to have with us today Chief Scientific Officer and co-founder of biotech startup Pepper Bio, Dr. Samantha Dale Strasser. Dr. Strasser has a very interesting and impressive background, which includes a PhD in electrical engineering and computer science from MIT and a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering. Shortly after her PhD, Dr. Strasser co-founded Pepper Bio in 2020, which launched officially in 2021. In this podcast interview, Dr. Strasser will share more about Pepper Bio, which is the world's first transomics drug discovery company. So let's hear more from Dr. Strasser. Thanks for having me today. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. So I'd just like to start off by asking, what is the focus of Pepper Bio? So Pepper Bio is the world's first transomics company, which kind of put it in more, more plain terms, this allows us to be the ways for drug discovery. And we use the biological equivalent of real-time traffic data to help pharma navigate to the fastest and safest route for positive patient outcomes. And so in the, if we think about the advances that we've seen in the tech industry over time, we've seen a change in how we make more informed decisions um, from, say, navigating to point A to point B, as we've seen with Waze. And so Pepper, similarly, is able to translate multiple levels of impactful information of complex data to translate to meaningful, actionable conclusions that advance our own internal drug programs in the therapeutic space or the drug development programs of partners again, fundamentally allows us to navigate towards the most promising therapeutic candidates for really optimizing to the best of our ability this, this optimal clinical trial roadmap. And so just like how Waze brings in different data sources as the foundation, such as where roads are, as well as dynamic information from traffic, we do the same at Pepper in drug discovery. So fundamentally, we like to talk about this in three key pillars that this allows us to accomplish. So one is the integration of um, post-translational modification data, bringing more functional information to the space. The second is bringing global context. So everything that we do is unbiased and it's a systems-wide analysis that can encompass all of the biological context of interest. And then lastly is the where really transomics comes to play of integration across all of this information. And that provides us the ability to, uh, to drive towards causality when we integrate across all of these data layers, which is a phenomenal leap forward in the field and where we've really seen, you know, gaining momentum of hope for getting there and Pepper's leading the way of, of accomplishing this. Now, what prompted you to start Pepper Bio? 
Yeah, for, for why, what prompted me to found Pepper Bio, um, this really stems from two facets, one on the personal side um, and the other on the scientific and technical side. Um, so personally, I've always had a strong drive towards wanting to impact patients and really reach um, finding new treatments at the end of the day. And this was really driven home by my own personal experience uh, with disease through a family member, my father. Uh, he was diagnosed with frontal temporal dementia while I was in graduate school. And when we learned of this diagnosis, my family and I quickly went into problem solving mode. We started looking for, you know, where can we find new treatments, anything to stop or slow the disease. And we quickly learned, as is the case with most neurodegenerative diseases, there are no options today. And this really struck a chord of my seeing what impact I wanted to make for people because this, this hopelessness that one feels when you can't treat or even provide any sense of really leaving that disease was, was earth shattering for me and for my family. And so, you know, this vision of really wanting to change that state of the world for others to bring new insights and opportunities for highly complex disease is at the foundation as to why for myself, I'm growing and had founded Pepper and also for my co-founder who has had unfortunately similar experiences with neurodegenerative diseases in his family. And so this goal to really treat the untreatable is, is the core that really keeps their momentum going here at Pepper. Um, the second facet, and I mentioned there's really the, the, you know, the technical side that drove Pepper as well. Um, so for me, this stems from always really the love of finally the data we have access to in biology, coupled with the computational power to do something with that. And so my career is really focused around what I call a bilingual engineering kind of background, essentially, in both computation as well as biology. And so this kind of kept thread going through and, and really closing in, in my PhD at MIT, where I had focused on exploring new ways of interpreting more functional information in biology. So really advancing beyond what we had looked at in, say, genomics and looking at data that was closer to an embiological state to really get at bringing the most kind of close to biological functional data that we could get our fingers on and then bringing more kind of contextual interpretation of that to bring more impact. And so the advances we saw in that, the early validation of the approaches I was working on to make, to, to identify new insights within drug discovery was really a phenomenal leap forward that we saw we could continue to grow at Pepper and, and really was the technical foundation to what we're now expanding upon um, the Pepper itself. Thank you for that uh, very great answer. Um, and so how does Pepper Bio kind of stand apart from other drug discovery biotechs and biopharma companies, especially as the first transomics drug discovery company? Yeah, and so this, this distinction for Pepper really stems from the starting point, the data that we draw from. I think we've seen a you know, really big trend in the field of it's not just about having more data, but the right data. And so at Pepper, we're essentially you know, the, the leaders in the world at analyzing global phosphorylation data, which is a really big mouthful of a word. But what it, what it means is data that's more that's looking at proteins that are modified and can interpret their functional state. And I, I talk about function a lot. And the reason we really care about that state of what a protein is doing is it allows us to truly understand what's happening at a given time in a biological system. Just like with traffic, you wanna know where the cars are on the road, how fast they're going. You don't just care about where the roads are. And so that's really where you know, our ability to understand these modified protein 
pieces of data that we look at, what they mean in terms of biological context really allows us to understand a disease system. And so this can look at, you know, how we best treat a disease. And it can also look at, you know, how we understand what a drug or a potential drug is, is doing to a system when studying a potential treatment. And so this gives us the ability to truly have a very deep understanding of a biology of a disease that can lead towards patient impact. And so what we do at Pepper kind of with that information, how we integrate that data interpret it in the context of other pieces of information, say genomics, again, your underlying instructions, data types kind of downstream from there known as transcriptomics, long proteomics and phosphoproteomics. This approach really brings the context together towards that global functional and causal understanding that I mentioned at the onset. And so our ability to do that are the databases that we have that allow us to interpret this information, our analytics that drive that is really the distinction of the context that we can bring to see insights that other drug developers would miss. Great. Um, you know, that really resonates with me because as a grad student, my projects involved looking at protein signaling and so signal transduction pathways. So I had a great interest in looking at protein phosphorylation. And, you know, my supervisor or other people in the lab would be focused on the genomic roadmap of things. But I'm like, well, how does this translate functionally, right? We don't know whether those code, you know, what that code actually means and what, what's, what it's translating into. And that's so imperative for drug discovery um, in terms of identifying those targets. So that definitely resonates with me. And uh, yeah, um, setting yeah. to hear kind of your your experience with it and also seeing that that need in the space. I think Absolutely. The, kind of the, the historical progression we've seen in the field is is phenomenal, right? You know, 20 years ago, we could finally sequence the genome. And now we just right. have that information to your point to really drive towards, you know, that next layer of, right. of functional information. Absolutely. And actually, I'm just thinking now, um, Pepper Bio, uh, is there a story behind the name Pepper? What does that <laughs> signify or if anything? So we, I mean, on the onset, we wanted a name that was really memorable that showed our enthusiasm and energy for the space. And and I mean, to some extent, who who wouldn't want to add some pepper to their pipeline? Oh, so, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was a fun word. We, we as a team liked it, it was easy, short, memorable. Absolutely. Um, that's great. I love that. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just wondering, um, for those of us that aren't really sure, can you can you just elaborate a little bit more about what is transomics? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So transomics itself, it's a it's a fully integrated, comprehensive view about view of biology that tells you what's actually happening at, at a systems level. So we're going to break apart this right where folks are often used to saying omics, right? We have genomics. We have transcriptomics, proteomics, phosphoproteomics, a lot of different kind of individualized pieces of data or data layers, as I sometimes call them, um, that folks can measure. But transomics talks about looking at these data layers now in an integrative fashion, which is really what drives that towards that comprehensive view of biology. And it's by integrating across these that we can find new insights and really have an understanding of how these data layers essentially talk to each other which is distinct from, say, what some folks might call multi-omics or kind of just omics independently, where, say, folks would look for simply agreement between layers, which isn't always indicative of how they're working together in terms of the information that you have. And so transomics, integrating across these, brings a context that brings us again to that truly biological functional state of understanding. 
Thanks. Thanks for clarifying clarifying that for us. Um, we were going to ask you, like, what specific approaches and tools do you use in your drug discovery platforms? So there's really two facets I'll break this into. So in terms of the just the, the approaches and tools. So first is on the data, and the second is on the computation um, and analytics itself. Uh, so on the data side, um, for the kind of information that we collect, these data layers, omics data that I've talked about, there's really two key tools that are used in this. So one is next generation sequencing. So this is what we're using to collect, say, genomic information, transcriptomic information. And the second is that of uh, mass spectrometry, which is what allows us to collect proteomic and fossil proteomic data. And so mass spectrometry, the kind of specific type we're actually looking at is called data independent analysis. It's a really cutting edge approach uh, in the proteomic and fossil proteomic space to really collect uh, larger data sets of information. Now, a commonality of all of these data types that we collect, whether it's next generation sequencing for again, genomic or transcriptomic or mass spectrometry for proteomic and fossil proteomic data, all of these data collection approaches are looking at again, global information. So they're, they're unbiased. They're not looking at, say, a subset of a specific panel or a specific pathway. And it's this global context that really allows us to unlock and to see all of the players that are really happening in each molecular signaling space to identify, kind of, again, the, the full context of scope of a disease, what's going wrong, or when a drug is treated, what it's doing to a given biological system. And so at the end of the day for patients, this means that we can start to see new treatment opportunities that previously would have been missed and to really bring a context to have more efficacious treatments and further along with that, also less toxic treatments, because we can see again a global scope of the, the interplay of this information to really see uh, new insights that may have been previously missed. So that's kind of the, the data side that then streams straightly into the computational, that second facet of tools that I'd mentioned. And so again, across the board by leveraging this global information and we integrate across this to have more functional understanding and integrated context of transomics. And that's really the computation that where that transomics comes to play. And in doing this, one of the tools that we use is also a, a collection of what we call a, a dictionary of data, essentially, that gives us an ability to interpret this input information. So we have an expanded dictionary or lookup table of understanding of interactions between these molecular players that can really drive our computational analyses to identify and understand the information that we're working with. And what do you feel are the biggest challenges in drug discovery today? This is always a fun question because I think it's it's one a lot of folks are used to some typical numbers in, but I'm going to kind of turn the question a little bit as we go through. So oftentimes folks cite that the problem is drug discovery is incredibly expensive, right? We're used to seeing you know, billions of dollars to create a drug, which I mean is, is frankly earth shatteringly expensive when you think of the context of how much goes into it. But you start to think of why is this so expensive, right? What's really driving that high cost? And a lot really comes from how shockingly low the probability of success of any drug mm -hmm. that's being considered is. I mean, 3% is the number that's often quoted, which coming from an engineering and physics background to some extent, that number is just astonishing, right? People look at you like, how do you get anything done? And so really a lot of the biggest challenges are now centered around or in overcoming would be, you know, how do we best increase that probability of success? 
So at each stage, you're making a more informed decision. We're making the right choices to move the right drugs through a program so that fundamentally we can actually identify a treatment efficiently and in a more cost-effective way. And so it really comes full circle of to address these challenges, needing technologies that can truly capture the complexity of a disease, of the drug that's being studied, and that will then increase that 3% number to you know, be great if at each stage we were even you know, 20% confident, right? 50%, right? Over time, the more that we understand the biology, the more we understand the disease, we can really get towards identifying the right target to go after in a drug program, what should we treat, the right drug to actually you know, address that target. And at each stage, get to the point of really, again, at the end of the day, focusing on having more efficacious treatments for patients that are less toxic. So again, this really comes full circle to, to even what we're, we talk a lot about at Pepper of bringing in the right data to make that informed decision at each stage uh, to again, interpret that context to fundamentally bring new insights over time. So having spent a significant amount of time in academia at MIT, what similarities and differences do you see between academia and industry? And also, what are the strengths and weaknesses or pros and cons of both? So I guess I'll start with similarities. I think, you know, the one of the things that I've always loved about both is just the the people, the impact driven nature that everyone has of really wanting to to push forward new technologies that can solve big challenges in our, in our world today, right? I think that's something that I've seen in, in both spaces. Um, and as for differences, it really stems from, at least from my, my experiences, seeing the, the stage of development of the research, which, which also leads to how they complement each other. And so I'll, I'll build out on that, but give the caveat of I'll, I'll answer this in the context of, say, startup industry, since that's where I'm in the thick of today. Um, which can, I think as many folks will know, be different from say your bigger pharma industry per se. Um, but kind of how those, those stages are different. So academia, you'd see you know, much earlier in terms of the scientific pursuit, a different freedom of being, I'll say more speculative and exploratory in terms of where that insight may provide impact. So you can you obviously see a lot more basic science focus, um, for example. And this freedom has obviously it's it's you know a large advantage for a lot of questions that otherwise you may not be explored, right? I think there's a beauty to that facet of, of academia. Um, the potential, I think, kind of downsides might be speed to impact. I think for a lot of folks that say, um, you know, event I'd sometimes heard in grad school of like, okay, this is really, really cool, but I want to actually get it to see the end kind of impact of this coming to bear. And so that was was something for me that that goal towards impact did, you know fuel some of my transition to the startup industry. Um, and so I think that's, again, that complementary nature where once, you know, you see early indicators in academia, it's a really great transition for folks who want to really drive that, say, more commercial impact side to now take that technology and run with it, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's been the enthusiasm, the energy that's been amazing. Um, founding a startup, working with other folks passionate about this space is you see that drive and that focus to now let's take this to something that meets an immediate need that folks have let's bring this to a product let's grow this quickly and effectively um and i think that's been that transition i think has been really amazing to see um and, and thrilling to be a part of um you asked about cons of the startup world i think one of them that's been interesting to see and observe over time is actually been unique to the biotech space I think historically there's been 
um, an example of a lot of startups in the biotech space say needing to have a, a molecule to really move forward. I think something where platform technologies, there was a bit more question of early on, but right. recently we've been phenomenal to be a part of a wave of what's now known as tech bio. And so this is really a contrast to that of your traditional biotech sentiment of having a really true technology forward focus to solve challenges in biology. So I think we're, we're starting to see now the rise of say true platform technologies. Um, I know this was something that our, our current uh, investor at NFX, Somri, has been a really big um, leader in of bringing forward this tech bio wave um, of companies that are, you know, so truly that merge of say your more you know west coast um kind of tech concept with say your more east coast biotech kind of implementation and, and need um and we're thrilled at pepper to be a part of it i know something we talk about a lot is you know as a true platform we can keep seeing repeated insights identified and i think this is the big advantage of this new wave that's that's starting to grow mm -hmm. And so right now, Pepper Bio, uh, I believe the focus is on a couple of therapeutic areas. And what are those areas? And are you looking to branch out um, in the future? Yes. So absolutely, we're, we're actually, we're, we're broad strokes. We, you know, the benefit of what we're doing is that it can have an impact in a lot of different therapeutic areas. We often say we're, we're TA agnostic. Mm -hmm. um, our kind of areas we, we've targeted more tightly is that around oncology, neurodegenerative and inflammatory. Uh, this is driven by really the role of how phosphorylation has been seen to play a role in that disease progression. Um, as a result, for us, we've really taken a, a short-term approach to focus on our internal programs on oncology. Um, again, due to phosphorylation's role, due to the speed to impact that we have seen that we can have here. Um, notably, this is actually one program is in partnership with Dean Felsher's lab at Stanford. Um, as well as an internal program that we have in that space as well. Um, along with that, long-term is where we really see um, our ability to have an impact in, in the other TAs that I mentioned as well. So neuro and inflammatory coupled with cancer um, can start to really, again, show that true platform nature of what we're doing and having repeated insights come to bear. Um, what are the short and long-term goals of Pepper Bio? So this is where our, our really short-term goal is within that program in oncology to, to drive forward and have a, you know, a therapeutic that we can have proof of concept come through in the clinic. Um, we've seen you know, already some indications from partnerships that we've had, kind of our ability to have you know, impact on a clinical stage molecule, but we've, that's something that we're seeing now is also bringing that, that impact forward for our own in-house programs. Uh, Long-term, um, is really, you know, building out those two other therapeutic areas in parallel with oncology. So impacting um, and identifying new therapeutics within uh, neurodegenerative diseases, within inflammatory diseases, to really round out our own pipeline in that impact that we can have across a range of, of diseases. And what this, you know, we see really brings for the kind of broad vision of the future that we're building towards is you know, a world where when you go to the clinic, right, you, you're, you know, your doctor will identify a treatment that's for your disease. And, and the goal in some ways is very simple, right? You want to have that, that treatment be one where it's, it's effective. There's no long-term side effects. There's nothing, you, there's no remission. You really see that it's paired correctly of that treatment with your specific disease type. And I think we've, 
we've definitely seen a trend towards new approaches that get closer to that. You know, we think historically in cancer, it used to be your disease was the tissue of origin, right? Mm -hmm. And to date, we've now been seeing, okay, this has been refined by the industry to be your, to say the tissue with the mutation profile. But at Pepper, what we're doing is getting even more refined than that. So we're bringing a transomic signature that can come to bear to really refine that even more tightly so we can have that correct pairing of treatment to disease for each patient. And that then will bring us towards that future of really having, again, you know, treatments for what are currently the untreatable. Also, another interesting question that I always, you know, yeah. uh, like to ask um, people like yourselves who've made that transition from academia to industry. Do you think that, you know, both spheres could benefit from partnerships between the two? So more of a bridge between academia and industry could benefit both worlds? Yes, absolutely. And that's actually partly where we've been um, fortunate to have a partnership with um, a lab at Stanford. So Dean Felcher's right. lab at Stanford and have really seen that um you know, really merge with with an expert in, in academia, in this case in mix-driven cancers and working with Dean, um, have a really tight synergy with what we're, you know, the challenges we're looking to solve at Pepper. And we've on both sides been thrilled for that chance to to really cross that bridge um, between between both industry and, and academia. Um, and that's something, you know, we, we actively look for, you know, the right synergies with that and meeting new folks um, to do so. So absolutely, there's a big benefit there. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Strasser, for being on our show today and for sharing your insights and, um, you know, giving more information about Pepper Bio. It was wonderful to learn more about the company and all of your initiatives. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Great to speak with you all. Really enjoyed the discussion today. Thank you once again. So that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find XTalks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.